Hello and welcome to the first week of something new that we want to do this year here at SAR Fellowship called Message Extra. During the week when I'm preparing to preach on a Friday, obviously I end up doing lots of reading, lots of research, and to be honest, the vast majority of it doesn't make it into a message, a sermon on a Friday because it's not... Um, a lecture, it's not uh, a Bible study where we're going deep and explaining original languages. Uh, we need to leave room for some explanation, sure, but there also needs to be room for application. There needs to be room to present the gospel, to remind people of who they are in Christ every single week. So all that to say, quite a lot of the reading and the research um, sadly gets left out of a Friday message. So what we wanted to do was to put up a second podcast every week along with the sermon, along with the message for those who want to go a little bit deeper, who want to maybe learn a little bit more about the culture and the context and the language and and things that are being said in scripture that might not make it into your average uh, weekend sermon, our Friday message for us here at South Fellowship. So this week we started a brand new study in First Thessalonians. Uh, we looked at the first chapter, which is verses 1 to 10. And uh, I want to share with you then some of the research, some of the reading that I did this week. And uh, hopefully it is useful to you. So First Thessalonians begins from Paul and Silvanus and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. Uh, we see straight away then three names, Paul, Silvanus and Timothy. Silvanus, uh, also known as Silas, different parts of the Bible, uh, worked with Paul, traveled with Paul, ministered with Paul many, many times, uh, especially on his second missionary journey. He was imprisoned with Paul. That wonderful story in Acts 16 uh, where they are singing hymns at midnight, I think it is, and uh, there's a great earthquake and the, the, this conversation with the Philippian jailer, what do we need to do to be saved? And Paul says, call on the name of the Lord Jesus. And then uh, yeah, the rest is history. When Paul first went to Thessalonica, uh, the city in which the church of the Thessalonians was based, uh, Silas went with him. You can read about that in Acts 17. And so when they received a letter from Paul and Silvanus or Silas and Timothy, they would have known who this guy was straight away. Uh, Timothy uh, was from a place called Lystra, uh, which was in a different uh, Roman province. It was in the province of Galatia. Uh, you can read about that in Acts 16. Uh, Timothy had a Greek dad and a Jewish mum. Again, Acts 16, also a bit of 2 Timothy. And he learned scripture from a very, very young age. Uh, Paul obviously trusted him. He took him places. He left him places. He sent him places. And he traveled with Paul a great deal. Uh, on the second missionary journey that Paul took then, like we've just said, imprisoned in Philippi, miraculously freed from jail, kicked out of the city. Then he moves on to Thessalonica, this prosperous, uh, multicultural, uh, cosmopolitan, political, military city, massive port city, very, very important, a population of about 200,000 at the time. And it was placed uh, in this, if you look at it on a map, it's 
the very top corner of a, a bit of a base. It was it was a good port city, and uh, it was on the Ignatian Way, which was the main road from Rome to the east. Uh, so it was a, a very strategic city as well. Then there's a little bit of discussion. How long did Paul stay there? Initially, he stayed there long enough to establish this community of believers that he felt a very strong connection with pretty quickly. And there is some disagreement about how long Paul stayed there. And it centers around um, this idea, this statement in Acts chapter 17, verse 2. We read, Paul, as was his custom, went in. For three Sabbaths reasoned with them from the scriptures. So he's in Thessalonica. He goes to the synagogue of the Jews for three weekends. Teaches and expands and explains and exposits the scripture to show that Jesus is the Christ. As was his habit. As was his custom. So does that mean he was there for just three weeks? Does that mean that he just did that three weeks and then it moved on to this community of now believers, the church, we would say? Nobody seems to know for sure. So there's a little bit of disagreement. Was he there for just three weeks? Did he just teach in a synagogue for three weeks and then move on? Was he there for a few months? Whatever happened, it's very, very clear that in the... Uh, a relatively short space of time, Paul gave the Thessalonian church this rich doctrinal teaching. He taught them the big foundational things, tenets of our Christian faith. It's really clear that however long he was there, he felt a very strong and loving connection to them. We'll expand on that as we work through Thessalonians. And it's also very clear that through his writing to them, he left before he really wanted to. So anywhere between a few weeks and a few months, Paul was there. After this um, very, should we call it a, a prosperous ministry, if it's established the church in such a short space of time, uh, in a very rich period of ministry, let's say, uh, he for not the last time, needed to leave a city because he was being chased out by an angry mob. Quite an interesting life, uh, Paul. Led. If you've never read about Paul, I would really encourage you to do so. There's a wonderful biography of him by N.T. Wright called Paul and uh, paints a, picture, a great picture of the man and why he wrote lots of things that he wrote. So he moves on to Berea down the... Uh, down the coast, I think it was, and stayed there for a few weeks, but again, driven out by the same Thessalonian mob. Next stop was Athens. You can read about that in a couple of places in the Word. A, um, at this point, it seems that he's quite discouraged, and he's very concerned about the churches that he just planted, founded, started, and was kind of, as is natural, wondering how they are getting on. While it was... In uh, Corinth, he moved on to Corinth after Athens, he received, uh, Silas and Timothy came to him from Thessalonica with great news. The church is doing really well. And he, Paul, it seems, was so excited, so overjoyed and overwhelmed 
that he wrote this letter to them not long after he'd left. And after writing and, and sending this letter, he then stayed in, in Corinth for a little bit longer and his ministry uh, did bear a bit more fruit while he was in uh, Corinth. The letter to the Thessalonians then that we would call First Thessalonians, it assumes a truth shared between uh, Paul and the Thessalonians, which when you think about it, it's very, very natural, isn't it? Because if you were to sit down now and write a letter to someone that you knew, cared for, loved, were concerned about, you would assume a certain level of, of mutual understanding and knowledge between you. And that would inform to a degree what you wrote, how you wrote. So the fact that he wrote to them, it, it kind of presupposes this basic truth that he, Paul thought it was important to answer a couple of questions that they may have sent with Timothy and Silas and to kind of teach them a little bit more, to tell them a little bit more. Um, I read recently that Paul knew better than to leave this young, fledgling, growing group of believers with nothing more than the memory of his preaching. In terms of organization and how you do life together, what does church life look like? The organization of everything was fairly basic at the moment. But Paul had obviously done a good enough job in starting this community that it was doing all right and it was carrying itself on after he'd left. But he wanted to write to them with a little bit more information, explanation, some things to be aware of, some things to avoid. Um, here's some answers uh, to your questions. In the letter then, um, as we're going to work through it these next few weeks, Paul's going to encourage them in their faith, despite the persecution that's going on around them. Remember, he was chased out of town by this mob. That same mob is still in Thessalonica, and it's very logical to conclude that they would have turned their attention, so to speak, to the group of believers that Paul established. So he's writing to encourage them in their faith. He, um, the first chapter in particular, overwhelmingly positive when Paul thinks of the church and thinks of the believers. He writes to them to refute to put to one side some false charges, probably by that group that ran him out of town, that look, Paul, this guy, Timothy, Silas, this little traveling group, they just want your money. They just want you to send them financial gifts so they can carry on traveling and, and not working for themselves. And look, he's left so quickly. He doesn't want to come back. He doesn't really like you. He doesn't really care for you. He just wants your money. He wants you to give to him so he can carry on doing what he wants to do. So part of the letter is Paul refuting that. He writes to them to correct errors that had kind of popped up, you know, most likely either written to Paul, delivered by Timothy and Silas or... Perhaps they'd told Paul what was going on in the church uh, and he writes to give instruction to them about what happens to Christians, believers in Jesus, who die before Jesus comes back. 
As we've said uh, in passing, really, Paul wrote this letter from Corinth. There are references uh, to that in Acts 17 and 18. Uh, and the references to uh, one of the Roman leaders of the day uh, make it very, very possible to date Paul's uh, stay in Corinth. And therefore, when he wrote this letter, uh, fairly accurately, uh, so I read, and that would put this as being written in about the early 50s. Uh, most conservative biblical scholars would date First Thessalonians between the years 50 and 54. Uh, so it's a very, very early letter of Paul. He doesn't read with some of the, um, what's the right phrase, doesn't read with some of the uh, polished penmanship, let's say, of some of his later letters. It's clear that he loves this people. He wants to get these ideas down on paper. So this is possibly his first or second letter. Galatians is also very, very early. And Paul is very, very passionate in Galatians. So it's certainly, said G. Campbell Morgan, among the first, have we said first or second, Certainly among the first of those letters which have been preserved for us from the pen of Paul. It was the first he wrote to European Christians, which is very interesting. Uh, if you consider Galatians first, uh, please correct me if I'm wrong. From memory, I think Galatia, Galatia was in the Roman province that was Asia Minor. Um, so it's the first written to U Christians in a European, what we would call a European uh, context and culture. And also says G. Campbell Morgan, it's fundamentally, writes about the fundamental things of the Christian life. Uh, so it's a great letter to look at anytime, really. It's also a great letter for us to look at uh, with the world as it is, as we tick over from 2020 to 2021. Paul loves this group of people, cannot gather with them uh, physically for the moment, there is a wonderful, wonderful idea and phrase that comes through uh, in chapter 2, verse 17. He says, when we were separated from you, brothers and sisters, for a short time in presence, not in affection, we became all the more fervent in our great desire to see you in person. And how true is that? of our lives right now as we tick over into 2021. Later in the letter, uh, Paul talks um, in a little bit more detail um, about the wrath of God that's going to pop up a couple of times uh, in this uh, letter. Whether Paul is talking about um, the Great Tribulation period in particular Ultimately, the destiny that awaits those who don't believe, um, again, that's up for debate. Uh, but it is a theme that's going to pop up later. Uh, interestingly, so I read every chapter, uh, as it's been broken down for us, uh, is going to finish with a reference to the coming again of Jesus. And when we look at Paul's letter through that lens, when we consider everything that he's teaching and telling the Thessalonian church to do is attached to this idea because Jesus is coming back. He's not some dim and distant deity who um, 
you know, is not ever going to physically and personally impact the lives of his followers. When everything that Paul says is 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 filtered through this truth that Jesus is going to come back, it puts this letter uh, into a completely different light. So I think that's a wrap for our first message extra. Uh, we hope that this is useful, interesting to you, and we plan to do it each week with some of the deeper extra research and reading that's done during the week that doesn't quite make it into a Friday message. Everything else that we ever uh, teach, write, record uh, can be found at sarfellowship.com. God bless you.